Well, good morning uh, and uh, welcome to our services. We gather to worship uh, God in Jesus by the Spirit as a church family. Uh, welcome to those of you who are able to gather in the building with us. Great to have you here. Uh, there's also others uh, who are tuning in to the live stream this morning. It is wonderful to have you uh, with us. Just so we know we're kind of engaging. It, the camera at the back, I think that's what people are on now. Those of us who are here, can we just give a wave to the camera? You might want to turn around and just give a little wave uh, to those who are tuning uh, in as well to the live stream. It's, it's great to have you uh, here uh, as well. New thing for us as a church family, some gathering, some joining uh, by the live stream. It's good and right for us to gather families, friends, uh, those of us who are younger. Uh, there's going to be Sunday club stuff on today. Those uh, who are older, brothers and sisters in Jesus. And we're starting a new series in Matthew's Gospel this morning, thinking about following Jesus and what that will mean for us. And we're going to begin hearing God's encouraging words. Later in our service, we'll hear these words from Jesus. He said, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. That God would treat people like us with such kindness is one of the reasons Christians have joy. And our opening verse that we're going to say together in a moment speaks uh, of that joy. We can't quite express it fully if we're gathering in the building with the restrictions, but thankful hearts can be full. So we're going to stand and say these words together. You might want to stand with us at home, and then we'll worship God with our first song of praise. Uh, Please would you stand? Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let's continue to praise our God. Shifting 
Please do sit down. Thanks for those leading us with the little tambourines and the cautious clapping. I think we can get bolder with that. We've got one more song at the end. Maybe we can try to be a bit bolder uh, there. The, the Bible says well, our problems as people, it really comes from the way we sinfully. Well, it kind of talks about it in these sorts of ways. It would say because of the way we, we, don't, really, we don't really listen to God. Um, and the Bible would also say, it's not just that we don't listen to him, it's, it's that we don't, really, we don't really love God. We don't really love God the way we should. And because of those two things, because we don't really listen to him, and because we, we don't love him, that, that's the reason we, we, don't, we don't live the right way he directs us in. We don't, we don't do the kind of things he tells us are, are good and right. It's what the Bible calls sin, and even as Christians, we, we struggle with those things. And as a church family this morning, we're going to confess our sin to God together. Words of a prayer are on the screen. You can have a look at it. And we'll pray these words together. Lord our God, in our sin we have avoided your call. Our love for you is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Have mercy on us. Deliver us from judgment. Bind up our wounds and revive us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our church family uh, here in the building uh, and watching online, listen And listen to these words of assurance. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Lord Jesus, thank you that while we often don't love you as we should, your love towards us has never swerved, has never changed, never faltered. You are always a certain friend and a faithful Savior. Amen. We're going to continue in prayer to our Heavenly Father now and Scott is going to lead us.
like to please join with me by saying amen at the three short prayers I'm going to say uh, in the teaspoon way. So that's a thank you, sorry, please. So let, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is our King, our victorious King who has beaten sin and death for us. Thank you for your mercy and that your mercies to us never end, that your love is perfect forever and that in Jesus we have the certain hope of peace in eternity. Thank you for the way technology has allowed us over the summer to join together in small groups, youth groups, and on Sunday mornings. And thank you that we are able to gather as your church, as your people here in person and online today. Amen. Father, we read in the psalm at the start of our service this morning the call to rejoice in you and praise your name. Yet there are times we don't do that, when we don't praise you as we should. Lord, we are sorry for when we're slow to praise you and rejoice in all you do and give us. Forgive us and help us through your spirit, giving us hearts that would look to praise you and rejoice in you always. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray this morning for our mission partners, 938, especially as they look to support ministry trainees starting or continuing in churches around the country. Equip them to continue to help people as they consider and experience church ministry. We also pray for our world this morning, in particular all the hurt and frustrations and anxiety caused by COVID, as well as the unrest in America surrounding racial and political tensions. Would you continue to give wisdom to world leaders as they look to take a lead in these things? And would your people around the world reflect the hope that comes through Christ, even in the middle of these things? And Father, as school terms start last week and this, we pray for all pupils, teachers and staff heading back to school, particularly those here in our church family. Would you be reassuring those who are anxious about returning? And we pray that returning to school be an encouragement and blessing to all. Finally, Father, we pray for our children's work and youth groups as they start again for a new term. Would you be teaching and growing your young people there and building good friendships? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to end our time of prayer now by saying the Lord's Prayer together. So do say with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I'll do sit up uh, for a moment. Uh, just a, a couple of things by way of Christchurch, church family news. Uh, this week is our monthly prayer meeting, Prayer uh, 150. If you don't know, we call it Prayer 150. That's our kind of aspiration to get 150 of our church family regularly gathering uh, to pray. That's why we call it Prayer 150. And it's, it's this week. If you normally join us or if you've not joined before, it would be great to have you there uh, this Wednesday between 8 
and 9.30. Because of the, the distancing guidelines, we're going to continue with Prayer 150 meeting over Zoom at the moment. Uh, if you the, want the links for that, uh, do email the church office uh, and join us this coming Wednesday. There's so many things uh, we want to be asking uh, for God's help with and depending on him as a church family. Uh, it'd be great uh, to come and join us. If you've not been before, th- there's going to be no pressure to, to pray out loud. We'll, we'll pray as a big group at times and break into smaller groups. You can join in or just listen in with others, but it'd be wonderful uh, to have you there with us. Another thing to mention is coming up next month will be our annual church meeting. It's been delayed from earlier in the year. Our, our annual meeting is the time we, we reflect on some of the things that have happened over the past year. Give thanks to God for the way he has blessed us and helped us. Uh, And it's also the the time and the meeting where we uh, elect members of the church council, the PCC, and wardens if we need to elect those. The reason for mentioning that is if you you consider yourself uh, part of the church family and you'd like to be involved in, in that meeting, being able to vote or even to stand, you need to be on the electoral roll. And the closing date for that is the 16th of September, so coming up very soon. If you're here in the building with us, there's some forms. If you're not on the electoral roll or or not sure about that, you can pick up a form on the way out and then drop that back into us. If you're watching online, you can download it or email the office uh, to get it and then drop it back into the church before September the 16th. Now, those of you who are younger, very exciting. Sunday clubs are, are meeting this morning. In a moment, not just yet, you're going to head downstairs uh, for those groups uh, in a moment. I'm going to pray for us. And then after that, uh, Scott is going to come back as we read God's uh, word together. Uh, those of you who are younger, you're going to head down the stairs this way and you'll be directed off to your groups. Uh, If you're watching the live stream, there might be things, those of you who are younger, who are going to do, uh, maybe in a different room or something like that now. So have a great time as you do that as well. Let me lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, your word not only tells us about Jesus, but has power to change us. So we'll become like Jesus as we follow him. Help us, which... Every room we happen to be in, whether it's downstairs, here at church, upstairs in the building, at home somewhere, help us to listen to what you're saying to us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, those in the building, if you're heading off to Sunday groups, uh, please do that now.
It is a strange thing, isn't it? All these uh, restrictions we're, we're coping with at a moment. You read those parts of the Bible where Paul from prison talks uh, in these kind of ways. He says, but God's word is not chained. Uh, we're in a different situation. But it's a good reminder, isn't it? Uh, that with, even with these restrictions, we have a heavenly father who will speak to us from his word. If you're at home, uh, you might want to take hold of a Bible if you've got one nearby. Here in the building, if you've brought a Bible or maybe you have a, an app on your phone, something like that, do, do flick it open now. We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, and Scott is going to come and read for us before Steve speaks. So we're going to be on Matthew, chapter 9, and we're going to be reading verses 1 to 13. So that's Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Well, very good. Um, Nick was saying earlier on, it feels like, it seems like it's just sort of the naughty route, got to come in front of class uh, to get round to his seat. Um, well done, Nick. Um, uh, lovely to be with you. Great to, uh, to gather again in person. Um, uh, and uh, great to, to welcome those who are joining us uh, for this live stream. I do want to say thank you to all of those who've, who are making all of this possible. Um, ben and others, uh, Francie and the rest, have been working really hard with the host team, uh, Basil, Juliet, um, uh, Doug, and, and all the rest, uh, just getting things ready for this morning, um, and huge amount of work uh, for the live stream uh, for going out for the first time today. Um, but there's, but there's, there's upsides, aren't there? Um, shorter service, shorter sermon. You're delighted, aren't you, um, at that? Um, I said to Tim downstairs, you know, was it, was it long enough for the, uh, for the children's work? And he said, no one's ever asked you to preach longer, have they? Um, I don't know. 
truth be told, I haven't. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you speak to us. You've spoken to us through your word this morning. And as we reflect on it now, uh, we pray that we would have ears that uh, attend uh, to you. Amen. Strikes me we do lots of following. Um, we, um, we follow through on things, we follow up on people, cricketers follow on, card players follow suit. Um, just at the minute we are following an awful lot of government guidelines. Um, I think we follow people on Instagram and Twitter, but I don't really understand any of that. Um, but some of us follow Jesus. What does that mean? Well, in a sense, that's what this little series is going to try and address. Uh, We've got three passages, first of all, um, where Jesus does actually call people to follow him. Uh, And we're just seeing what he seems to mean by those calls. And then we're going to round the series off on Vision Sunday as we think about the the instructions uh, to, to go out, the Great Commission, go out, make disciples of all nations. Well... Today, the, the call, follow me, is made to a man called Matthew. Um, and uh, almost certainly, it is the Matthew who wrote this account, uh, Matthew's account of the life of Jesus. And it's a short little bit. I'm, I'm just focusing on the second part of the passage that Scott read. So to really get it in our heads, let me read it again. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, I wonder if um, we feel clear on the characters here. Um, I I think maybe we get a little bit muddled. Um, First we've got the Pharisees, haven't we? And of course we know then that they're the baddies. Well, at least in, in pantomime speak, they're the baddies. They appear on stage with boo and hiss. But, but I think that pantomime take on them often leads to a misunderstanding who they really are. Because the Pharisees were deeply serious about their faith, serious about prayer, serious about church, serious about their Bibles, serious about their morality. They were deeply serious about God. When lockdown ended, they'd have been the very first people back in the church on the Sunday afterwards. In other words, they're a bit like us. They're serious about God. And if we push them away and say, no, they're the baddies, they're the boo-hiss people, we may lose the similarity to people like us. Second uh, in the cast of uh, characters are the tax collectors and sinners. Now, in pantomime speak... Uh, They are the lovable rogues. They're the kind of rough diamonds with a heart of gold. If I can mix lots of metaphors in one sentence very quickly. 
But when we think about them like that, again, we may be in danger of missing the point. Um, if we wanted to sort of modernize and, and think what would, be, what would be a contemporary equivalent of a tax collector, we probably ought to think gangmaster for some human trafficking organization. And if you want to think about the, the social impact of choosing to go and dine with a tax collector, as Jesus does here, you probably want to liken it to deciding to go and spend a weekend with Jeffrey Epstein. That's the flavor of it. That's how scandalous it was. When Jesus calls Matthew, it's outrageous. He's not summoning in some sort of Robin Hood figure who may be a little bit naughty sometimes, but is really about to do tremendously good things. No, Matthew is as unacceptable as they come. Yet fast forward just, just a few hours and there is Jesus kind of knee-deep in Matthews, a whole dinner party full of them. So no wonder at the door the serious Pharisees gaze on in astonishment. How can he do this? Doesn't he know who these people are? How can he associate with them, even even? call them to be his companions. Doesn't he know what they've done? But of course, Jesus does know. And when he hears about the question that the, that the Pharisees are asking, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus responds with, with three little statements. The first is, is a simple observation that it's the sick, not the healthy, who need a doctor. Then comes an instruction, which he takes from the Old Testament. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And the third is a sort of purpose statement, isn't it? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think in those three phrases, short pithy little statements. I think in those three phrases, Jesus takes us to the very heart, not just of the Christian faith, I think he takes us to the very heart of, well, his own heart, what Jesus is really all about. And to, to try and capture it, because it seems to me that these phrases, rather like so much of the Bible, is kind of deceptive. At one level, they're pretty easy to understand. And, and you've heard that phrase, haven't you? That, that the Bible's like a, like a pool that's shallow enough for a toddler to, to, to splash around in. But it's simultaneously deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Well, I think it's true of these phrases here. You can think you've got them and realize that you haven't even begun to see the depth of what is being said here. So, so let, let me have a go to take us a little bit deeper. Um, with, with these couple of phrases. Here's the first thing that I'd observe here. Jesus seems to be telling us that it is only the spiritually sick who will ever really seek healing. Now, at one level, what Jesus is saying is pretty obvious and pretty straightforward, isn't it? Doctor's surgeries are not stacked full of the healthy. You know, in the doctor's consulting room, you, you'll rarely find somebody saying, Doctor, I, I'm sorry to trouble you, but I've just come in to tell you how phenomenally healthy I am. Um, the thing is, you know, the heart's doing brilliantly, beating away, lungs, 
splendid, eyes perfect. You know, I am, I am actually just sort of the, the picture of perfect health, and I needed to let you know. I mean, this is not a scene that you see uh, uh, over the road in the Red House surgery very often. Only there is something in us that kind of does want to do that with God. That, that, that believes somehow that actually our performance is what God wants to hear about. That, that an approach to him needs to, be, needs to be done on the basis of our merit. Uh, we all do it. Even those who actually don't do much thinking about God at all. Um, let me try and persuade you of that. Think for a moment of the way that people complain that life is unfair. Even people who don't really think much about God. You know, something miserable happens and they, and they feel as though this is unfair that this has happened to me. What's happening in that moment? What persuades a person to say that this isn't fair, if not the idea that this kind of thing shouldn't happen to me? Not to me, not after all that I've done. You know, maybe this could happen to somebody else, but, you know, a bad thing like that shouldn't happen to me because somehow I don't deserve it. I don't deserve this to be happened, which brings the sense of I've performed well enough to expect to get a good life. See, that, that mindset, both in the religious person and in the unreligious person, very deeply rooted in us. Which is why we so often end up gazing down on others. Because it's quite reassuring, isn't it? To find that there are people down there. Oh, goodness. Surprised they do that. That makes us feel so much better. So much superior which reassures us that in the pecking order of people who are going to cut it with God, you know, we're in the top half. Isn't that why we love to gaze down on others so much of the time? And isn't that why the Pharisees were standing at the door? Demanded to know what Jesus thought he was doing, mixing with people like that. But are we really so different in all our busy religious activity? As we attend our Bible studies and come to Prayer 150 and Prayer 500 and Prayer whatever other silly name we come up with next. As we go off to our Pathfinder camps and our Christian Union meetings and our youth groups. As we do our quiet times and say our prayers. Isn't there a little voice inside our heads speaking out of our performance mindset, which is quietly saying, I'm all right. I've done enough today. I've performed this week for God. He'll be pleased with me. I'm sure he will. And Jesus would say to us, as he said to the Pharisees here, go and learn. In other words, go read your Bible, would you? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is quoting from um, an Old Testament prophet, Hosea, um, who, who warns God's people 
that although they were very good at doing religion, they weren't doing good. Because they had in their hearts lots of knowledge about duty, but they didn't have in their hearts lots of mercy. And that kind of brings us to our second heading. If we've seen so far that that it's only the spiritually sick who really seek healing, um, notice secondly that it's only the forgiven who really show mercy. Uh, I I find a sort of a a funny moment. I I imagine Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth and I kind of have this picture of him um, as uh, Jesus calls out, looking over both shoulders, trying to spot if there was another Matthew stood by um, and then thinking, what do you mean me? And he stands up and he goes. Um, Jesus is calling him, calling the Jeffrey Epstein of his day, calling the unacceptable, calling the outcast, calling the pariah. Because that's what it means when Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's not just telling us that we should do mercy, he's telling us that that's what he does. He does mercy. It's the very reason that he came, he says, not to call the righteous, but sinners. Imagine, picture picture a scene, Um, some sort of very grand uh, sort of banquet uh, with a a vast dining hall, or or maybe um, a cathedral um, with uh, some of its its poshest service of the year, Uh, or maybe a royal garden party. And imagine outside the venue of this sort of hugely prestigious event, we find two kind of crowds gathering. On one side are the very smartly dressed, the very respectable, the very well-connected. And over on the other side are the rabble, shabby, coarse, uncouth. And as the doorman comes out to welcome in the guests, it's obvious, isn't it, who he's going to be inviting in. The respectable, the well-heeled, they deserve to be in that place. But Jesus is saying that's not the way it goes that he's come to call the rabble. Only, of course, actually, my picture is all wrong, isn't it? My picture's all wrong because there aren't two groups stood outside the venue. There's only one group. There's only the rabble. The righteous only exist in their own imaginations. They are those who think they are righteous, when in reality their own smug sense of self-importance, their own condescending self-righteousness, are the very things that render them unrighteous. But even that's not quite right, is it? I shouldn't speak about their self-righteousness and their smugness. I should speak about ours. Because we are them. We must be, mustn't we? 
Because if anyone here today, or anyone viewing in online, if any of us believe that we are not smug, believe that we're not self-righteous like that, not like those other people who are, then haven't we just proved that we are smug and self-righteous by saying that we're not smug and self-righteous like other people who are smug and self-righteous? You can't escape it, can you? Following Jesus has to begin here with this persuasion that we are sinners and that we need mercy. And if it does, then mercy is what we get. A Jesus who calls to us, just like he called to Matthew, come, follow me. And when you've encountered mercy like that, when you've when you felt it in the core of your being, well, then you begin to live it. Have we? Do we? Is this us? Just, just as I finish, um, let me end with a couple of tests of this uh, that I heard recently and I found helpful applying to my own life. Um, here's the first test. Ask yourself, what happens when you muck up? When you, when you seriously get something wrong? Because if moral failure of some sort or other leaves you disappointed but not despairing, then I think that's a sign that you have got, you've understood, you've received mercy. Because it shows that you've, you've got somewhere to go with your failure. In fact, more specifically, you've got someone to go to with your failure. But if moral failure or, or personal failure of some sort leaves you kind of devastated and distraught, or even perhaps cross with other people, or denying that you've done anything wrong at all, then that would be a suggestion, wouldn't it, that, that mercy still needs to take hold of your heart. So the first test, what happens when we fail? Second test would be this. What happens when others around you fail? Muck up. Get something seriously wrong. Perhaps something particularly that affects you. If, if you look down on them, if you secretly or not so secretly feel rather superior to them, I wouldn't do something like that. Then again, chances are you haven't yet grasped mercy. But those who, who have grasped it, who, who have experienced, who have learned it for themselves, well, they will be generous to people who fail. They'll be able to love them despite their failings. Why? Because they have experienced love despite their own failings as well. How do you do on those tests? How do you mark yourself on those two measures? For myself, I, I know I don't do great. 
had a particular episode of failure just yesterday. But, you know, in a sense, this moment now, as you and I think to ourselves, do you know, I don't do well when I measure myself up against those tests. This moment becomes the moment when we hear a voice and we look up and we see the face of Jesus and we hear him say, follow me. I came for people like you. Follow me. I came not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. You fail those tests. You muck up on those things. Come, follow me. And this moment we experience his grace, his mercy. And we move a little bit further in being those who show mercy to others. We're going to close now with a final song. We can't sing it together, but the words of it are great words for us to be reflecting on as we consider this very thing of the way that God deals with us with mercy. So in your heads, in your hearts, even if not with your vocal cords, uh, echo these words because uh, they're great words for us. Let's, let's stand as the music starts. love could remember no wrongs we have done omniscient on knowing he counts not their sum thrown into the sea without autumn or shore our sins they are many his mercy is more Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Would wait as we constantly roam. What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more.
Riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Oh, please do sit down. It's quite a thought, isn't it? As God confronts us with His Word, we... We realize at times that our big problem is, is not a virus or a distance we have from each other, but that we could be smug and self-righteous and before a holy God, and that makes us not want to just cover our faces, but cover ourselves completely, hide from us, hide from him. And yet the same God who confronts us also comforts us with a Savior who welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. A mercy of mercies encourages us to follow him and trust him. That's quite a thought. We're going to pray a final prayer of blessing in just a moment. Let me say, if you are watching online, it's been great to to have you here with us. Zoom coffee is going to be happening. So if you can hang around uh, for that, uh, there'll be a link, I think, perhaps coming up on the screen if you need that so you know how to join in for that as well. For those of us who are here in the building, we can't stay for coffee here. I guess there's a slight strangeness is that you could probably go and have a coffee somewhere else uh, with someone. Uh, we can't linger outside, uh, but we can go for a walk on Jesus Common uh, and we want to talk and encourage one another. But as we finish, let me lead us in a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we gather not uh, just to please ourselves, but because you call us together uh, to worship you and to hear your words so that you would draws close uh, to the Savior who gives us encouragement and endurance. Help us to keep listening to him and trusting him in the week ahead. And as we follow Jesus, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I think our live stream has finished now as well. It's been great to have you here in the building with us. Uh, Lovely to gather together. If you're heading out, remember, you're heading down these stairs. There'll be a couple of things to pick up. Uh, Term card for the the coming term. And also, if you need one of those electoral uh, roll forms, I think the prayer diary is there as well. Uh, And if you wouldn't linger outside, uh, that would be a real help as well. But do chat and encourage one another as we begin to walk off. But lovely to see you. Have a great day.